Thanks for listening hey, to this message. You're listening to learn to more about what's podcast. happening at the quarry. Get Check ready us to out be on social media and uplifted with us today. First of all, hey, first of all, the shoe game on the front row goes crazy. Crazy. How y'all afford these kind of shoes? Y'all got rich parents? Lunch money? The shoe game. It's impressive. Are you well? Okay, are you excited? Are you ready to expect and receive and respond? I know these guys are, right? Right? Are you ready to go? You ready to go? Okay. Hey, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to Acts 2. And we're going to start in verse 41. Didn't Amesy do a great job this morning? Perfect message, wasn't it? Combination of both grace and truth. Real talk, but with the love of God. That was an outstanding message Amesy preached today. So we're going to start here in Acts 2 and verse 41. It said, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Verse 42, and all the believers devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted themselves. Say it one more time. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Sounds like summer camp, right? Including your snacks and your shoes. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47. And all the while praising God... And enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can they get amen tonight? So tonight I want to talk about the path to devotion. The path to devotion. That's what I want to share about tonight. And uh, I had like two or three messages that I wanted to preach. And so I'm going to kind of preach like two or three messages all in one. That's okay. Y'all ain't got nowhere else to be. Am I right? Y'all ain't got nowhere else to be. So we got time. We'll have plenty of time for snacks and good stuff afterwards. But So I got like two or three messages all rolling around in me. So I might share a little bit of several things. But we're going to talk about the path to devotion. So um, let's start here. We are at this place at summer camp where all of you are like, I'm devoted. And I don't want to be a buzzkill speaker, but you guys are not devoted. No, okay, okay. I, I, trust me, it's got to get better than this. You're like, this is the worst youth pastor message I've ever heard. All of you right now, you want to be devoted. You want to be devoted. I'll give you that. You want to be devoted. But right this second, you're not devoted yet. But you got good intentions. So tonight, I want to preach a message on how do you get devoted and how you stay devoted. That's what I'm going to preach about tonight, because all of you need that, 
and you're going to need a message that outlasts camp, and this is going to be that message. Because all of you really want to be devoted right now, which is great. It's beautiful. I've been to a lot of summer camps. And, and you want the right things right this second, and you're heading the right direction, and you want to be devoted, but you're not yet. So I'm going to preach this message to tell you how to be devoted and how to stay devoted after camp. So we're going to call it the path to devotion. Now, tonight, um, I don't want to preach to the version of you that's here right now. The 12-year-old version of you, the 16-year-old version of you, the 19-year-old version of you, the 21-year-old version of you. Tonight, I'm preaching to the person I'm going to see when you're 25 and when you're 32 and when you're 45 if you listen to my message tonight, I'll see you when you get that old and you'll still be devoted. So that's who I'm preaching to. And I love it. You know, you're 11 now and you got all sorts of passion and you're 15 now and you're 17 now and you're 20 now. But the person I'm preaching to tonight is going to be the person that you're going to be when you're in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s. Okay, are you with me? Now, I'm laying the groundwork for where we're going tonight because we're talking about the path to devotion. So, I'm doing that because I have been going to camp longer than most of you have been alive. And I know I don't look that old. I'm a good-looking 36-year-old. But I have been going to camp since I was 11 years old, and I am 36 years old as of yesterday. So I have been going to camp longer than most of you have been alive. And I want to tell you something about going to summer camp for that many years. Is I have seen hundreds and maybe even thousands of young people in your exact seat. And I have seen them in lines getting deliverance and crying their eyes out for hours and hours and hours. And I have worshipped with those hundreds and hundreds of people and they were getting more hyped than you are. And I saw them at the team competitions, and I saw them taking notes, and I saw them having a great time. I've seen hundreds and hundreds and even thousands probably of people come through summer camp just like you. And a lot of them today are not devoted. So that's why I'm preaching this message. Because a lot of them are now in their 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s, and they are not devoted like they were at summer camp at all. Most of them are not even going to church anymore. They're in dead-end relationships, at dead-end jobs, living a dead-end life with no purpose, no point, and no call of God on their life, and they were at camp like you. I didn't mean to go this hard this quickly, but I got to say what I got to say. So, I am not naive enough to think that summer camp is going to change your life forever. It's not unless you hear a message like this that tells you how to take the devotion out of this place into your next week and your next month and your next year and your next decade and your next several decades and you keep the devotion you got today because you don't have to lose it. You don't have to. Now, I've seen it time and time again, and I myself have been to camps, even led worship at camps, even preached at camps, and a month later I'm like, man, I'm not even on fire for God anymore. I've been there too. 
That's why we're going to preach a message like what I'm going to talk about tonight because we need to know how to get devoted and stay devoted and we don't have to lose it when we get out of this building and out of this summer camp. We can keep it and we can keep it into our middle school years, our high school years, our college years, our 20s, our 30s, our 40s and live devoted for God the rest of our lives. I'm preaching better than you're responding tonight. But I'm not naive to think that summer camp's going to change your life. It feels like it, doesn't it? Right now, it feels like it. Oh, baby, it feels like it. You know why? Because all of you are on a spiritual high right now. You are. It's called sleep deprivation. You don't have enough oxygen to get into your brain. You're on caffeine and sugar and team cops. And yes, there is a little bit of Holy Ghost mixed in with that as well. But right now, you're on a spiritual high. You're on the mountaintop right now. But that's not real life. Thank you, Zodsworth. But next week, you're going to go back to your real life, which is not on the spiritual high that you're feeling right now. You're not going to have the worship team with you. You're not going to have people laying hands on you. You're not going to have preachers talking to you. You're going to go back to your real life with your real friends, with your real parents. And in a few more weeks, you're going to go back to your real school. And if you don't hear a message like this, you will forget everything you learned at Devoted 2023. Am I in the right place tonight? Okay. I've seen it too many times, and it grieves my heart because... Some of these people are my age, still doing nothing with their life. Nothing. Not in church. No relationships. No children. No career. No point. No purpose. No life. Because they didn't take what they got at camp, which I saw them. They got a lot. And no one told them, how do I get devoted and stay devoted once I leave here? You with me? Okay, this is just my intro to tonight. So like I said, you're on a spiritual high right now. You're on a mountaintop right now. You have a lot of feelings right now, especially teenagers and young adults. You have more feelings than I would say most people. And right now, you're feeling good, real good. Um... But those feelings sometimes don't go with you after you leave camp. And that's why I want to talk to you tonight about this, because I need to teach you how to stay devoted even when you don't feel like it after you leave here. After you come down from the spiritual high, after you come down from the mountaintop experience, what do you do then? It's like this. Like, camp is like if you had a car, and I know some of you guys are believing for cars. Let's just say Roman's believing for a car. He's, uh, it's about that time. Start cruising. So, at camp, it's like you, you, you brought your car here. We, uh, we filled it up with gas. Full tank. And then after AMC's message, we cleaned the whole vehicle, right? We washed it down. We, we shined the rims. We, 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 we put windshield wiper fluid in there. We got your car looking good. Got a full tank of gas. But let me tell you something. 
if you left camp and you drove that for the next several months and didn't do anything with what you got at camp in your car, you're going to be on the side of the road, not able to drive that vehicle anymore because you're going to have no gas. And your car is going to look really crusty if you have not washed it and vacuumed it in several months. But that's what happens to us spiritually. You, you get filled up, you get cleaned up, and you go out of camp. You're like, man, I am so full of God, and I am so clean. But then you forget, if I don't do anything with this, I'm going to end up on the side of the road spiritually with no gas, with flat tires, with a crusty car on the side of the road if I don't take a step in the right direction and build on the devotion I got at summer camp. And it's not enough to get devoted or get your car filled up. you got to stay devoted. You with me? Okay. We about to go in. In Mark 4, the parable of the sower, you can write this down. The Bible says this. Jesus talks about the sower sows the word. God sowing his word into people's hearts. And it says when the word is sown... When you come to camp, the Bible says Satan comes immediately to steal the word you got. That's why it's very common for people to leave camp and immediately they go back to the wrong friends. Like, did y'all not just hear that message? I saw you in the prayer line. And you're already texting the dude within three hours of returning home. Was the AMZ anointing got on me for a second. I apologize. I got to stay out of that. You leave camp, and within a day, you're back to the same habits and the same friends and the same people. And you're like, what happened? The Bible says once God does something great in your life, hear me tonight. When you get something for God at camp, when you get a message that ministers to you, when you get hands laid on you and you get healing and you get delivered, when you get something in worship, when God speaks to you, realize immediately the enemy will come try to steal that from you. So don't be embarrassed or ashamed when you're just like, what's happening? Well, the Bible says he comes immediately to steal it. And most people, because they don't know how to stay devoted, let the enemy steal what they got at camp. Quickly. It's almost a running joke in most youth groups, isn't it? It's like we come after camp and everybody gives their testimonies. And we almost like joke around like, hey, when's everybody going to lose this? Because everybody knows most of people, when they go back to school, it's like, bye-bye. They're back to their old friends, their old habits, their old lifestyle. It's almost a running joke in youth groups. It should not be that way. Like we all just laugh it off like, hey, how long is this change going to happen this time? I give them two weeks. I give them a couple months. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. You can get devoted and stay devoted. I need a better amen in the house tonight. Can I get amen over here? Can I get amen over here? Okay, I heard amen there. Can I get amen right here? Can I get amen over here? Yes, sir. Can I get amen right here? Amen right here? What about those seasoned saints? There we go. The enemy comes to immediately steal the word of God. 
Why? Because it will change your life. Right now, you're in a bubble, a spiritual bubble, which you're not going to really feel till you get out of it. So you're like, man, I got this word, and I got delivered, and I got healed, and I love worship right now. When you go back to real life, guess what? The enemy comes immediately to steal the word. And since most people are not taught on what to do after they get out of camp, they give it to them. All right. He even tricks people into it like, well, I really, I really don't know if I really got anything anyways. It's probably just the bad pizza I ate or a Skittle that someone poisoned. Or Emily put some drugs in my snacks. It's probably not God. It's probably Emily's drugs she left for all of us. Good thing we have responsible people like Katie here. That would not give kids drugs. But the enemy comes to immediately talk you out of what you got at camp. He immediately comes to steal the word. I got a mover. We'll be here all night long. Okay. Let's go back to Acts 2, verse 41. Let me set it up for you. Acts 2, verse 41. So this is what happened. The early church. This is the first day of the church the day of Pentecost. They're on a mountaintop experience. They are on the spiritual high of spiritual highs. If you were there, you would be the same way. They were in the upper room, 120 people, and it said there was a sound that came from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind. And they did not have a sound system. That was God's spirit. And it came in and it said it filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw literally tongues of fire above people's head and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yes, I'm Pentecostal. And not ashamed of it. So, talk about spiritual high. These people literally heard the wind of God were seeing fire above people's heads. you never seen that at camp. No. You haven't seen that at camp. And they all began to speak in other tongues. And then they went out and they started evangelizing Jerusalem. And it says about 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Spiritual high. Woo! Mountaintop experience. But then, what did the early church learn how to do? They realized, we can't live here. So what does it say? Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. Notice, not a small church, about 3,000 in all. 42. And this is what they immediately did. And all the believers devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted themselves. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. We're not, we're not going to read all the rest of the verses right now, but notice what they did. All the believers devoted themselves. They realized we can't live on the mountaintop. We can't live on the spiritual high, this summer camp experience. We're going to have to do something and devote ourselves to some daily disciplines. No, no, uh, come on. You got to stay with me. It's going to hurt, but it's going to feel good at the end. They immediately, all 3,120 believers, started doing something daily together. 
spiritual discipline. And it said they daily prayed. They daily gave. They daily served. It said they daily met together to worship together, to pray together. It said they met together in homes and they ate together. They went to Porto together. They had Zaxby's together. They had Starbucks together. They went to the mall together. They lived life together. And they started doing something daily because they realized, unless I start doing some daily disciplines, I'm not going to keep this devotion I got on this mountaintop. I'm not going to keep what I got at the day of Pentecost or summer camp unless I do some daily disciplines that will keep me in the place of devotion to God. It says they devoted themselves. Notice they devoted themselves. Their mom and dad did not devote them. Their friend did not choose that for them. Their youth pastor didn't. Their pastor didn't. Nobody else did. It says the early believers, all, all, not just some, all 3,120 believers devoted themselves to all these daily spiritual disciplines. Why? So they could keep the devotion they got at the day of Pentecost. So if we're going to keep what we get at camp, we have to commit to daily spiritual disciplines to help us grow in our devotion and keep our devotion the rest of our lives. Are you with me? So this is what discipline says. Discipline says, I need to do this because it's what's best for me. I need to. This is what discipline says. Discipline says I need to. That's the first point. On the path to devotion, the first step or the first place you go on that path is discipline. Discipline says, I need to do this. Now, know this about the word discipline. Discipline is doing the right thing even though it feels hard. Realizing if I do the right thing, even though it feels hard, it will get easy the more I do it. Now listen to this. Your desire to be devoted will not determine who you become. Your discipline will. Discipline is the bridge between who you are now and who you want to become. Now let's read a verse. Hebrews 12 and verse 11. Hebrews 12 and verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But... Afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Now, this is why most people don't live disciplined lives, because there's pain in the beginning. But listen to me tonight, and I'm going to get you to a really good place before we're done. But we got to talk about this first. Every successful person you love is disciplined. That's why they're there. All the YouTubers you watch that have millions of viewers, guess what? They're not just goofing off. There's discipline behind those videos. That's why they're as popular as they are. The, the musicians and rappers and artists that you listen to, the reason they're successful is there's discipline behind what they do. 
All the athletes you follow, the reason they're successful is because there's discipline behind that. Every businessman, financial expert that's doing anything successful and great with their life is because there's discipline behind that. Every spiritual leader and person you look up to, whether that's a pastor or a worship leader or a youth pastor, if they have any success in their life, it's because of their discipline. And... On the path to devotion, now we'll get you there, but you got to start here. On the path to devotion, it doesn't start as devotion, it starts as discipline. I need to do this. Now, why do you need to do this? Because it's what's best for me. Now, that's a mature decision to make. Discipline says, I need to do this because it's what's best for me. The Bible says, though, discipline is painful at first. But then if you stay with it, it leads to results. It leads to harvest. It leads to the devotion you're looking for. Now, I can explain it this way. Because with discipline implies pain. You've heard the statement, no pain, no gain. You want the gains? you got to get some pain. That applies to lifting weights, but it applies to every part of your life. If you want something in life different than everybody else, you have to put in discipline, which is painful at first. It doesn't stay there, but it starts there. So that means you need to do the right thing when you don't feel like doing it, because if you keep on doing it, it will produce a harvest and the results you want in your life, which is devotion. Now, discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. And we can say right now, all of you are saying this, what I want most is to be devoted. Okay, so remember that next time a choice comes up. Discipline is choosing what you want most more than what you want now. It's awful quiet in this Pentecostal church. Discipline is choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. Now, we're still talking about the path to devotion because you want to go on that path, right? You want to get devoted and you want to stay devoted. But it starts with discipline. I need to do this. And I'm going to do this because it's what's best for me. I might not feel it right this second, but I'm going to do it because it's what's best for me. And that discipline will lead to the life that you do want. It's not just discipline for discipline's sake. It's leading you down the path to the life of devotion you do want. But we know when we choose discipline, there's pain before there's gain. Okay, so any of you have tried to eat right in your life? Have you ever tried to eat healthy? Guess what? The first time you try to eat healthy when you've been eating Mickey D's, it's going to hurt. The first time you choose Core Life over McDonald's, it's going to hurt real bad. You're not going to like it. You're going to be grumpy about it. But you're making the right choice. And the more you keep eating healthier, guess what? The easier it will get because you're choosing the, the hard right over the easy wrong. When you first start working out, it's hard. It doesn't feel good. 
But the more you do it and you choose the hard thing, it gets easier because it's leading to the life that you want. It's like that with eating. It's like that with exercising. It's like that financially. It's like that in relationships. But it's like that in your relationship with God too. Spiritually, it's the same way. Choosing the right things at first feels painful. You know, the first time you decide to put on a podcast of preaching over binge-watching Netflix, it's not going to feel great the first time. But the more you do it, the more you will desire it. And then you'll get to the place where there is no pain at all because that's what you want now and that's who you're becoming because you're walking down the path to devotion. Thank you. Are you still with me tonight? The first time you decide to put on worship instead of Drake and Little Dirk, it's not going to feel great. You're going to feel like, I just want to listen to the rap. But the more you do it, the more you give yourself to it, the more you give discipline to it, the easier it will get and the more you will desire the right things. The first time you try to get into your Bible after camp, when the feelings are gone, it's going to feel hard at first. And most people don't go long enough for it to start changing their feelings and just stop. I don't want to do that. Well, if I really got something at camp, I'd want to read my Bible. Well, no, you haven't given yourself to it yet. You're not disciplined yet. Well, if I got something at camp, I'd want to pray and I'd, I'd run a worship. Well, no, you just haven't given yourself to it. And like any healthy habit, whether that's spiritual, natural, financial, physical, you have to choose discipline first and then the feelings come later. Am I throwing this over your head? Okay. Discipline says I need to do this because it's what's best for me. It's what's right for me. I'm going to do it. And the more I do it, it's leading me down a path to the life I want, which is devotion. So discipline says I need to do this. And God has given us all this ability now, when I say be disciplined, I'm not just talking about in your own strength alone. God has given us the Holy Spirit that gives us self-discipline. Let's read 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7, if we could pull it up. But for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has given us self-discipline. Everybody's like, I'm not disciplined. If you're saved, God said he gave you the spirit, and he gave you self-discipline. So that means we must choose it, and when we choose it, the spirit of God helps us do the right thing, even when it's hard. No pain, no gain. Realize this about doing hard things. Everything that's good for you at first, everything, not just spiritually, is going to feel hard at first. That's why most people in life, in this world, don't do it. And they're not successful. Because everything good for you is hard to do at first. Realize this, and everything not good for you is easy at first. That's why most people do it. It's easy to sleep around. 
Y'all want me to go? or You want me to go? Okay, I'll go. It's easy to drink alcohol. It's easy to smoke weed. It's easy to look at porn. It's easy to get bad grades in school. It's easy to disrespect your parents. It's easy to not be successful in life. It's easy to blow your money on dumb stuff that you don't need. It's easy. That's why most people do it, and that's why most people don't get the life they want. It's easy. Because they got no discipline. But if you want to do the right thing, it's got to be hard at first. Psychologists call it the pleasure pain principle. That means the stuff that's good for you is going to feel like pain in the beginning. But there's going to be pleasure at the end. But the things that are bad for you and easy, there's pleasure at the beginning, but pain at the end. The good thing is this. All of us in here have a choice. You get to choose your pain. You can choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, but you get to choose. Because you're going to experience pain either way. Regret or choosing discipline and getting the life that you want to have. Goodness, I'm about to throw this mic to the back wall if you don't say amen. Discipline is the first step on the path to devotion. And what does discipline say? I need to do this. I need to do it because it's what's best for me. And it's going to feel hard. It's going to feel painful at the beginning, just like any other good habit I choose, even spiritually, at first. Key word, at first. Now, I'm not going to leave you here because it's not always going to be that way. It's not always going to feel that way. But at first, it might feel that way. Once you get out of camp, doing the right thing might feel that way. But... The beautiful thing about the way that God created us, spirit, soul, and body, is this. We can change by our choices. Our spirit can change. Our mind can change. Our body can change. And we can become a completely different person based off our choices and the power of the Holy Spirit. So it won't always feel that way. But when we choose discipline, I need to, it leads to the next thing once you keep doing the spiritual disciplines, it leads to desire. Desire says, I want to do it. I want to. I'm talking about how we go down this path to live a devoted life. Starts with discipline, I need to. Then it goes to desire, I want to. I want to do it. I want to do this. Trust me, all of you in here, if you stay reading your Bible after camp and you do it daily, one of these days it's going to click in and you're going to be like, I want to do that. I want to do it. I don't even have to do it anymore, but I want to do it. Why? Because discipline always leads to desires changing. And after camp, if you keep praying and you pray daily and you make that a daily discipline and habit, eventually you're going to get to the place where I want to pray. And when you feel like you missed a day, you're like, you're sad about it. Like, man, I want that. If you keep moving down the path of discipline, you're going to keep worshiping after you left camp. And, and I saw how excited you are here, but you should bring that back to your churches where you came from. And in your daily life, and you keep doing that daily, you're going to get to the place where it's not just I'm disciplined, so I'm just worshiping because I, I, I feel like I'm obligated to, but I'm disciplined because... 
I'm lead, leads me to the place of desire, and now I want to worship. And now when I get in my car or I put my headphones on, I don't really want to listen to that music. I want to listen to Maverick City. I want to listen to Elevation. And I want to listen to Bethel. And I want to listen to Christian hip-hop and all sorts of different music. And it's not out of legalism. Because my youth pastor told me, don't listen to bad secular music. That will last about 24 minutes. No, it's because I don't want to listen to that music because my desires have changed. Come on, I'm preaching. And not because I'm trying to stay away from the big bad work. We're all because it's secular music and oh my gosh. Come on, we got to do better church. People try to tell kids that in church all the time and you're not getting anywhere with them because their desires have to change first. So discipline, I need to, leads to desire, I want to. I want to. The good thing about this is whatever we give ourselves to, our desires will follow. Both good and bad. Write that down. Whatever we give ourselves to, that's discipline. Our desires will follow. Both good and bad. Right and wrong. Not to get too heavy, but Emily said drugs, so might as well go there. But do you realize when anybody first does drugs, it's not enjoyable at first. Like, it's not. They usually get sick. Like, when somebody first drinks a beer, it does not taste good at first. It tastes like urine. Okay? But what happens? They keep giving themselves to it, and then God created you that way. Whatever you give yourself to, your desires will follow. And now I like the taste of urine and beer. And it doesn't taste good, but I like it now. Why? Because whatever you give yourselves to, your desires will follow. And, and I don't even like smoking weed, but the more you give yourself to it, your desires will follow. And I don't even like looking at porn anymore because I feel like a piece of crap after I look at it. But whatever I give myself to, my desires will follow. That goes both ways in the good and the bad. What we give ourselves to, our desires will follow. So if we give ourselves to the right things and spiritual disciplines and to the right stuff in our life, our desires will change and our desires will follow. Notice what it said again in Acts 2.42 in the New Living Translation. Acts 2.42, if we could pull that up. <coughs> All the believers devoted themselves. Devoted themselves. They gave themselves to that. And notice what happened. They desired it. They started having desires because they devoted themselves to it. Let's look at Acts 6 and verse 4. Acts 6 and verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Notice what it says. We will give ourselves to it. What is giving yourselves to it? Discipline. Doing it daily. And when you do it, 
when it's just I need to do this, it will turn into desire. I want to do it. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to worship. I want to go to life group. I want to be in church. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to be a part of the right things. And I don't want to do the wrong things now because my desires have changed. But it will only happen if you give yourself to it. Nobody else can give yourself to it other than you. We will give ourselves to it. We will give ourselves to it. Now, hear me out, because I know I got Gen Z here, Gen Alpha, all the different generations. Um, but starting at my generation, which is millennials, we are the most feeling-based generations ever. And we live by the motto, if I don't feel it, I ain't doing it. If I don't feel like it. The, the differences in generations is hilarious. Like, we stay home from school when someone made a joke about our haircut and past generations were literally going to fight Hitler in World War II at our same age. <laughs> we are some of the, hear me, softest baby generations that have ever existed. I know it. I know it hurts. I just called you babies, but you are. I am too. It starts with millennials. Millennials on down. We are the softest, most pampered, most babyfied generation ever, which we live by our feelings, which is a horrible way to live. Which are, part of my language, we're raising a generation of absolute losers. Who will not be successful at anything in life because if you live that way, you won't be able to accomplish anything that God has for you. You won't be able to keep a job. You won't be able to keep a relationship. You won't be able to keep a checkbook. You won't, you won't be able to keep your health. You won't be able to keep friends. You won't be able to do anything if you live by your feelings because they are not always truthful. Now, we're still talking about the path to devotion, right? You with me? So we're disciplined, which means I'm going to do it whether I feel like it or not because I need to. And if I keep doing it, then I'm going to get to the place of desire that says, I want to do it and my desires have changed. But these first two things we're talking about, most people stop here before they get to devotion. Why? Because they can't get over the fact of doing something when they don't feel like doing it. But unless you start living by discipline and doing things you don't feel like doing, you will never get to the place of desiring the right things, which says, I want to. Now, here's the truth of this. Let me read you a quote from Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible. He says, we live in an age of sensation. We think if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity in it. But the wisdom of God says something different. We can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel our way into a new way of acting. Actions always come before the right feelings. But see, we got a whole generation that says, well, feelings come before actions. Okay, well, then you'll never get there. 
You'll never get there then. Because God's wisdom says actions always come before feelings. In your spiritual life, in every other part of your life, actions always produce feelings. If you're going to wait for your feelings to show up, you'll never do anything for God. If you're going to wait for your feelings to show up to worship or to pray or to read your Bible or to be in community or serve at your church, they'll never come. If you're going to wait to feel something before you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, then it will never come. Actions always come before feelings. And if you act in the way you should, the feelings will follow. Why? Because whatever you give yourself to, your desires will follow. I want to do it, but you got to do it first. Are you with me? Are you following me tonight? Whatever we give ourselves to, our desires will follow. Let me read this again. We can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Actions always come before feelings. Let me give you an example. There's been so many times, and I'm the pastor, that I didn't feel like coming to church. But I know better. I've been down this trail many times, and I realize if I just push through and go to church, my feelings will change when I get there. But my actions have to come before my feelings do. And God meets me every time. There's been times where I'm like, I don't know if I really want to worship today. I'd rather just listen to something else on the radio. But if I put on worship and I step in when I don't feel like the action comes first, and then I start listening to worship, after a few minutes, I got all these feelings, and I'm glad I turned on worship. There's many times where I've turned off um, Netflix or turned off another thing and put on a podcast that's teaching me the Word of God. And at first, it didn't feel great. But when I acted on it and started listening to it, then the feelings came later. Because actions always come before the feelings. Now, I'm I'm trying to teach you how to be devoted, not just get devoted and stay devoted after camp. Now, what's the path say? The path says, after I get out of camp, once I come down from the spiritual high and the Red Bull I drank, I'm going to choose to be disciplined when I leave camp. And I'm going to do the right things because I know I need to because it's what's best for me. And trust me, if you keep doing that, hear me, young people, it's going to turn into desire. And then then you're going to start saying, man, I want to do this. I want to go to church. I don't want to miss youth group. I don't want to miss life group. I want to serve at my church. Nobody at my church has to twist my arm. I want to be there. I want to give my money at church. I want to pray. I want to read my Bible. I want to worship. I want to do God's will. I want to be around the right people. I want to go the right direction. And now I don't want to do the wrong stuff because my desires have changed. And God has given me new desires. But it started with discipline and it leads to desire. I want to. But most people stop there and never get to the desire part and say, it doesn't work. Most young people and young adults I see that don't have a good relationship with God, it's because they never stuck with it long enough till it turned into desire that says, I want to. They gave up. Reading my Bible's boring. You've only done it for one day, dude. I don't want to listen to worship music. How long have you lasted? An hour? No wonder your desires haven't changed yet. 
I tried to pray once, like in the past year or what? Like, you got to give yourself to it and then your desires will fall. Trust me. It works with every part of your life, but it's the same way spiritually. Starts with discipline, I need to. Then goes to desire, I want to. You with me? So this is how we go down the path to get devoted. How to get devoted and stay devoted. Can I give you some good spiritual disciplines to start with? And then I'll tell you the other steps on the path to devotion. These are going to be real simple. But I want to share them with you. Once you leave camp, this is some good spiritual daily disciplines to do that's going to help you stay devoted. Prayer. It's not going to be shocking. It's not going to be a super revelation. Prayer. I realize a lot of us here, the group in church, when we hear like prayer, read your Bible, stuff like that, we're like, mmm. But you know why? Because you never gave yourself to it long enough for you to actually want to do it. I'm not throwing shade at anybody or being judgmental. I'm just saying, like, the reason we got, "Mm -uh." read my Bible, pray. Gosh, they say that all the time. Go to church, worship. Why is your attitude like that after all these years in church? Because you've never actually consistently done it to where your desires have changed to now I want to do it. Am I right or am I right? Okay, I'm right. Prayer. So after we leave camp, if you want to stay devoted and be devoted, you're going to have to make prayer a spiritual discipline you do every day. Now what is prayer? Talking to God. Can you do that? You can talk to your friends. Talk to God. The more you talk to God, the easier it get. The more you talk to God, the better you will get at it. Prayer is just talking to God. And those of you in here that are spirit-filled, you've received the gift of praying in tongues, which should be most of you in here. Pray in the Spirit. Like, man, I've run out of English words. Okay, that's fine. The Holy Spirit can pray through you, and you can pray things that you don't even know in your English language, and you can pray that way even if you don't have words to say. But the more you give yourself to prayer, discipline, the more you will desire to do it. I want to do it. I want to talk to God. How do you stay tight and devoted to God? Prayer. you got to talk to God every day. So important. Second thing is this. Get into your Bible. God's Word. The Scriptures say that the Word of God is like bread for your spirit. Just like you need food to live physically and you need to eat it daily, the Bible is that to your spiritual life. If you're going to be strong spiritually, if you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to be healthy spiritually, you need to get into your Bible every day. You need to read it. You need to study it. You need to get a good study Bible so you can figure out what it's saying. You you need to maybe get a good devotional that can help you in your devotion. I'm just throwing out ideas here. But you need to get into the Scriptures, and the more you get into the Scriptures, at first it's going to feel like, this is discipline. But the more you do it, the desire will come, and then you'll be like, man, I want to get in the Bible. I want to read God's Word. I want to listen to preaching. Now, these are all daily disciplines that we all need to do that will help us to become devoted. 
get into the scriptures, and, and I know for a fact, because I've been there too, I know there's, there's a lot in the Bible, there's parts of the Bible that are hard to understand. I get that. That's why you need to study Bible. That's why you need to study God's Word. That's why you need to get a Bible translation you understand. Don't read the King James. Don't do it. There's hundreds of other translations that make sense for your brain. And it's not King James. Which is not LeBron James, by the way. Because everybody's like, King James has a translation? Yeah, actually he does. He just got it a few weeks back. It's really good. Um, but but I, would, I would recommend something like the New Living Translation. Or the Message Translation. Or a translation like that. Because you can understand it. But we need to get into the Word of God. Because it keeps us spiritually fed and strong. And it helps us to become devoted. And we need to put the Word of God in us every day, even when we don't feel like it. Why? Because if you put the Word of God in you when you don't need it, it will be there when you do need it. Trust me, it works that way. There'll be days you'll be up in Ezekiel or Ecclesiastes or Lamentations or Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi, and you're like, what the heck? (laughs) What are they talking about? This has nothing to do with me. And then you'll be like, Five days later, you'll be in a class and you'll be like, Haggai 3.7. And you'll be like, that's the scripture I needed today. Trust me, it will happen. But if you didn't put the word of God in you when you didn't need it, it wouldn't be there when you did need it. So we got to do it daily, a daily discipline. Why? Because discipline says I need to do this. This is what's best for me. It's going to make me healthy. It's going to make me strong. It's going to make me devoted. And the more I do it, then I'll desire it. That means I want to do this. I want to do this. And not only do I want to do the right things that will help my spiritual life, I don't want to do the wrong things that were hurting me. So let me give you a few more. So I said prayer. That every day, daily discipline, prayer. Prayer is talking to God. Every day, get in your Bible, get in the Scriptures. Trust me, there's a translation that you can understand, you can read. There's a Bible, there's multiple Bible apps that have devotions, that have even Bible app translations that will read it to you, even if you don't know how to read. It's got everything. Number three, go to church. Now, when I say go to church, that doesn't mean just show up on Sunday. I meant when I say go to church, I meant be the church. I mean show up on Sunday. Come on, I'm about to preach. Where's my organ when I need it? I meant show up on Sunday. Ah, Can you help me? I need you to show up on Wednesday. And don't act like you're too busy because, you you know, you got stuff going on. Show up at your youth group. Show up to life group. Show up on serve days. Show up to give. Show up and hang out with the right people outside of church and nobody has to set it up because you can text somebody and hang out with the right people. Can you do that? Because you're never going to get to the path of devotion to hanging out with idiots. And the people that you've tried to let go at camp so far, guess what? You're going to see them in a few days. They're going to text you in a few days. And you got to be ready for that. And you got to already decide, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to church. And you can come to church with me, but if you don't want to go to church, we ain't hanging out. And I'm going Wednesday night, and I'm going to life group, and I'm going to prayer night, and I'm going to be in ministry of helps at my church. I'm just in seventh grade. Can you help? Yes, you can. 
And I'm going to give at my young age, and I'm going to tithe on my allowance? Oh, I'm preaching now. And I'm going to choose to be around the right people even when there's not a service. Because this is what I've noticed at Church on the Rock, because I am the pastor. There's a lot of people that show up to church on Sunday, but they don't hang out with nobody from Monday through Saturday. I know. I'm like, who are you hanging out with? Because I know everybody in our church, at least at this point, because there's only a few hundred of us. And I'm like, well, if you ain't hanging out with us, then who are you hanging out with? Because we all hanging out, but you're not. Hear me tonight, young people. You just showing up to church on a Sunday morning is not you being devoted to God. It's not. It's a start, but it's not. You want to get to this place of devotion? Come to church, yes, on Sunday. Come to youth group, yes. Come to life group. But you should be hanging out, texting, talking to other people in your church, in your community of faith, every day. Every day. And if you have the ability to hang out with people from your church every day, do it. Because you got to hang out with somebody. Might as well choose the right people that will lead to devotion. Come on now. I'm about to jump through this Pentecostal sanctuary. I got my jumping shoes on, my trail running shoes. I'm ready to go. Go to church. Be the church. Hang out with the church. Do life together with the church. You want to be devoted? Make that a discipline. Now, once again, what is discipline? Discipline means I'm going to do it even when I don't feel like it because it's the right thing for me. And if I keep doing it, I'm going to desire it. Many of you, hear me, hear me. Many of you make the excuse on not hanging out with church people because you're like, I don't feel like it. I mean, I feel like I'll come to church, but I don't really feel like hanging out with church people. What does discipline say? This is what's best for me. Well, I'm depressed, so I don't want to hang out with church people. That's who you should be hanging out with. How are you going to get undepressed? It's not by sitting in your room with the curtains drawn, watching the notebook, eating Haagen-Dazs. Well, Pastor... I don't really want to hang out with anybody because I'm kind of depressed. So I'm just going to eat ice cream and I'm going to watch Nicholas Sparks movies and I'm just going to be here by myself. Guess what? You're going to be way more depressed after the movie's over. Right? And gentlemen, I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I don't really want to hang out with church people. So you sitting at home ordering DoorDash with unlimited wings from roosters and watching porn is going to make you feel better? It's not. You're going to be more depressed and more anxious. Push past those feelings, which is called discipline. I need to do this. This is what's best for me. And the more I do it, I will desire it. We're going somewhere. I know, I know I'm at an hour. Chill. Y'all got time? You got time? You got time? You with the space buns, do you have time? 
some of you, and I love you, some of you don't want to hang out with church people outside of Sunday morning because it will make you uncomfortable because they're living different than you. And then you're like, oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. I, I got to wash my fish <laughs> tonight. My cat got loose in the park, and I got to go chase it down. Um, I got to do my nails. I got to... You guys have the lamest excuses. I'm not feeling good. But I saw you on Instagram. You were out at the movies tonight. Oh. <laughs> Y'all don't creep on other people's Instagram and Snapchat when they turn you down? When you see their story? Oh, I thought you were sick tonight. If you're sick, then you stay home all week. You don't go anywhere. But listen to me. If being around church people makes you uncomfortable because they're living differently than you are and it's convicting you, you need to keep hanging out with them. You know why? Because them living devoted will rub off on you, even if you're not living that way right now. And being around the right people will help you in your faith. It will strengthen you in your faith, and you'll become more devoted, even when you're uncomfortable. So I challenge you, any of you in here that are uncomfortable because, like, man, I'm not living like they are. Okay, well, keep hanging out with the right people because their devotion will help your devotion. I, what do I know? I'm just a local church pastor. Are you still here? I got a few more things. I feel like you're pulling on me tonight. I got to close sometime here. It's only 821. Oh, my gosh. Very early. Here's another discipline, and this is the last one before we take a few more steps down the path. Worship. So what are some disciplines, spiritual disciplines that you do that gets you to the place of devotion? And you do it because you need to. Then if you keep doing it, you will desire it and you want to. I said prayer, get in your Bible, go to church, be a part of the church, be the church, be around the right people. Worship. Need to be a worshiper. You need to be a worshiper, worshiping God daily, putting on worship music. Even if you don't have something to put on in your vehicle or in your, your headphones, worship God, sing out to God, sing songs that you've heard at camp. Look them up on YouTube. Look them up on Apple Music. Download them. And the more you do that, it will change you and it will bring devotion into your life. Be a worshiper. There's nothing like a worshiper. And hear me today because I know all of you are from different places and different churches. But if you're going to get the most out of worship, listen, you need to be expressive. You need to. Trust me, you're not going to get anything. And I know this is typical teenager, eh, young adult thing. In worship, they're just like, now not y'all because y'all were getting it. But when you go back to your church, that's how a lot of you act. <laughs> and, and those same people every time will say, I didn't get much out of worship. Duh! 
Because you didn't respond to God's spirit when he was moving. And you have to, what? Do an action first before you get a feeling. Well, I didn't feel God in worship, but did you worship? No. Well, that's why you didn't feel anything. Did you lift your hands? No. Well, that's why you didn't feel anything. Did you sing the song? No. Well, that's why you didn't feel anything. Did you jump? No. Well, that's why you didn't feel anything. Did you dance? No. Well, that's why you didn't feel anything. Because you've got to act yourself into a feeling before you can feel your way into an action. But we got to be expressive worshipers. And hear me, because all of us, I would say, our church included, we need to be more expressive in worship because you'll get more when you respond more to God, when you express yourself to God. Some of you will go nuts at a Taylor Swift concert. Emily. Drugs. You will go crazy at a Drake concert. You would go crazy at this rock band you liked concert. But when you come to church, you're like. And you know why you feel so good when you get hyped at a secular concert? Because you acted and then the feelings came. Even to a wrong spirit, you still feel something. How much more when you respond to the right spirit? Okay, I'm going. I'm going out the door. I'm back. When you respond to the right spirit in worship and don't sit there like a slug or a toad or a pole and you actually worship and you respond to God, you'll get so much more. And once again, what's discipline say? I will do it even when I don't feel like it because I need to. And when I do it, guess what? The feelings will come and the desire will come and it'll be like, I want to. All of us in here. If we did that every time we worship God, not just at church, but in our cars and everywhere we went, we would get so much from God. If we sang out. Now listen, I know some of y'all are maybe not as hyped as other people. But all of us could at least sing, even if you're not jumping around. But there's something that happens in worship that changes us. It changes us. You show me somebody that is praying every day, that is reading their Bible every day, that is going to church and being around church people all they can and worshiping every day, that's somebody that's not just going to be devoted, they're going to stay devoted for the rest of their lives. Because you're never going to give any room for anything else to take your heart. So, discipline says, I need to. Desire says, I want to. So be expressive in worship. Sing, shout, cry, laugh, dance, raise your hands. Trust me. All the churches you came from, your pastor will not kick you out. He's going to be like, thank the Lord. Somebody has acted excited or glad they're here. And watch, trust me, if you do that in your home church, the adults who need your help at your churches would start responding too. Because what you have on you would get off on them. 
But the youth have to start it first. Okay, I'm really going to close. But I want to say so much more tonight. Okay, hot. Hey, got to live the dream. Live the dream, Dylan. So, how do we get devoted? How do we stay devoted? Let's walk down this path. Discipline, I need to. After I leave camp, after the feelings have gone, I need to. Then it's going to turn into desire. I want to. I want to do this. But if you keep doing it, when you desire it, it's going to turn into another thing, which is called delight. And delight says, I get to do this. You are shocked at how happy and joyful you are because, like, I get to do this? See, some of y'all don't understand other Christians like that because you've never even got to desire yet. You're like, What's, why, are they so, why are they so loud and boisterous and fanatic and they act almost fake? No, they're not. They just have went down this path that you haven't went down yet, and they were disciplined for a while, and then it went to desire, and now they're in delight, and they go, I get to do this. And that's what I want for all of you in here, that, that when church happens, you go, man, I get to come to church. I get to be a part of this church. I get to read my Bible. I get to pray. I get to worship. I get to serve. I get to give. I get to be a part of this church community. I get to have a relationship with God, and I'm delighting in it. It's not a duty. It's not a burden. My parents didn't force me to do it. My my pastors didn't force me to do it. My teachers didn't force me to do it. But I'm delighting in it. And it's not discipline, I need to. It's not even just desire, which is great, I want to do it. But it's delight, I get to do it. Brother Daryl, could you come up and play? Because the sooner you play, the more I can close. (laughs) And i got to let you go sometime, because I want to pray for some people. Turns into delight, I get to do this. It's on the path to devotion. I get to. Look at this verse, Psalm 27, verse 4. Psalm 27, verse 4, I believe. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting, delighting, not dreading, not it's a duty. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. Delight, I get to do this. So it's discipline, I need to. Desire, I want to. Then it goes to delight, I get to do this. I'm delighted I'm in your family, God. I'm delighted you want to talk to me. I'm delighted that you gave me your word I could read. I'm delighted that I get to worship. I'm delighted I get to serve at my church and help other people meet you. I'm delighted I can give my money because you gave everything to me. I'm delighted that I get to be in your house. And David, a man after God's own heart, said, there's one thing I seek. There's one thing I desire, that I would be in God's house forever delighting in it. Delighting in it. All of you young people in here can feel that way. And not just be a moment at camp you feel that way, but you can feel that way through middle school, 
through high school, through college, into your 20s, when you get married, when you have kids, when you have careers, when you buy a house, you can still be in that place delighting in God. And you know what I want to see? I want to see all of you back here in 10 years, in 20 years, and you guys are the youth leaders and the youth pastors bringing other young people to camp. That's what I want to see for you guys in here for 10, 15, 20 years from now. You guys are the ones leading them because you didn't just get devoted. You stayed devoted. And this is what I don't want to see happen. Five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. Whatever happened to? Didn't they used to play on the worship team at church? Yeah, they did. What happened? I don't know. Didn't they used to come to camp? Weren't they one of the camp leaders for a couple years? Yeah. What happened to them? I don't know. It's not funny because it's so true. There's hundreds and hundreds of people that I could name that are in that category. And what happened to so-and-so, man? They were on fire for God when they were in middle school and high school. What happened? I don't know. We haven't seen them in a long time. This is why I'm preaching this message, so none of you have that testimony. I'm preaching this message so all of you, I see you in middle school, in high school, in college, when you get older than that, and you're bringing your young people to our camp. And some of y'all are youth pastors. Some of y'all are worship leaders. Some of y'all are businessmen in your church. Some of you are elders in your church. Some of you are uh, head of departments at your church. Some of you are some of the most foundational members of your church. Some of you are having kids that you're bringing to camp one day. Because you didn't just get devoted, you stayed devoted. That can be all of your story in here, and I want it to be. But you're going to have to take the path of devotion to get there. Instead of us 5, 10 years, 20 years from now, and whatever happened to And didn't they do a devotional at camp? Yeah. What happened? I don't know. Weren't they one of the team competition leaders? Yeah. What happened to them? I don't know. I've heard it hundreds of times. It's sad. It grieves my heart. That's why I'm talking about it tonight because it does not have to be you. It does not have to be your future. It does not have to be your story. If you listen to what I'm saying tonight, you will all be the future leaders of your church, of your communities, of your families. You will be men and women of God 5, 10, 15, 20 years that will do more than what my generation can do. That should be your story and your testimony if you do what I'm saying tonight. Are you with me? Lastly, discipline says I need to. Desire says I want to. Delight says I get to. And the last step is devotion says I love to. I love to. I love to do this. There's no greater life 
Devotion says, I love to. You're not looking for another life. You're not looking for a backup plan if this God stuff doesn't work out. You're not looking for another thing to fulfill you or satisfy you. No, devotion says, man, I love to do this. I don't just want to do it. I do. And I don't just get to do it, but I love to do it. And you could live that way the rest of your life. That you love God that much. That you love his call that much. That you love his will that much. That you love his word that much. That you love his plan that much. That I love to do it. That's what I feel at 36 years old. There is no other life to live. And the older older I get, which I just turned a year older yesterday, which Justin did the best version of happy birthday I've ever heard. Where you at, Justin? Where is Justin at? Hey. At 36, and I know some of y'all feel like that's really old, and some of y'all in the back feel like that's really young. I kind of feel like I'm in the middle anyway. Some days I feel really old, some days I feel really young. But the older I get, the more I realize literally nothing else matters in life. I mean, I've known that my whole life because I grew up a pastor's kid. And I've been going to camp since I'm a, I was 11 years old. But the older I get, guess what? The answers don't change. The world's ways, the world's stuff, what the world values gets more and more phony, more and more cheap, more and more lame, more and more empty because it is the Bible says that the world and all its ways are passing away but those who do the will of God is what matters and at 36 that's all that matters Jesus in this church that's it new kicks don't matter even though I love them and y'all look fresh a girlfriend a boyfriend a husband or wife it's awesome if they're godly and they're for you but it's not it not it drugs not it Emily (laughs) pornography not it sex not it it's a gift from God but it's still not it money fame, fortune, houses trophies from your football team, basketball team, championships. Not it. Only Jesus and his church. That's it. It's all that matters. All that satisfies is the only point. The only point. Think about God as he loves you so much. If you choose him, all the rest of those things will take care of itself. But devotion is what matters. That I don't just need to do this, but I want to do it. And I get to do it. And devotion says, I love to do this. There's no other life to live. And no, that's not just for me because I'm a preacher. It's for all of you in here. Because you're all children of God. And you all have a call on your life. Mine just happens to be a preacher. But you still have a call on your life from God, just like I do. And you need to fulfill it, but it will only happen if we get devoted 
and stay devoted. Did you guys get something tonight? I said you get something tonight. Hey, do I, do I still rank in the top ten? Okay, I'm just making sure. That was a lot of pressure Morgan put on me at the beginning. She said, you've always been number one. I just need to make sure I'm in top ten. Come on, did you receive that tonight? Did you take up that challenge? Come on. So we're going to take that path. Once we leave camp today, we're going to take that path. We're all going to take that path. When we go back to our lives and our schools and our jobs, we're going to take that path of discipline that says I need to and then I want to desire and then I get to, I delight in it and then I'm devoted in it. I love it. And you can live there the rest of your life. You can. Could you stand up with me? we get the lights down and we're going to pray for some people in a moment here thank you father can we just lift up our hands for a second father we just love you tonight we thank you tonight we worship you tonight we worship you tonight we thank you for your love we thank you for your grace we thank you for your mercy God we thank you we make a commitment to you tonight that we're not just going to get devoted here at camp, but we're going to stay devoted. And it's not in our own strength. You sent us the Holy Spirit to help us, to give us the desire and the power to do your will every day. And we're going to lean into that. And we're going to choose the right thing and the right path. And we're going to choose discipline. And we thank you, Father, that discipline's going to turn into desire. The desire is going to turn into delight. And that delight's going to turn into devotion, real devotion. That you, you love it now. You love God. You love his word. You love his people. You love his church. You love his will. And that's what you want more than anything in life. And all the rest of the things that you're concerned about will be added to you if you seek him first. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want to pray for some people tonight. If you want to make that commitment tonight, that, hey, pastor, I don't just want to get devoted at camp and just have a great camp, but I want to stay devoted after I leave camp. And you're saying tonight, pastor, hey, I want to be one of those people in 5, 10, 15, 20 years that's still coming back to camp, but now I'm the leader in my group, and I'm the youth pastor now, and I'm bringing kids to to youth group and, and I'm helping in my church and I, I'm a part of it and I'm still coming after all these years and I'm a major part of my church and I'm not going to be one of those people that say man whatever happened to man, whatever happened to them I mean they were fired up in middle school I mean they were rocking in high school I man I thought they were really going to go somewhere what happened to them no that's not going to be our testimony our testimony is going to be a testimony of the goodness of God the favor of God the blessing of God, devotion of God. That when we get into our young adult years and we, and we get beyond just coming to camp, that our testimony will be we are some of the most devoted people in our church that strengthens our church, that helps our church, that we are changing the lives of other people, that we are being a blessing at the 
places that we work, that we're starting our family, we're having children, and we're leading them in devotion because we're devoted people. That's going to be your testimony in the next few decades. That's going to be all of your testimonies in here. If you say, that's what I want in my life, and I commit to be devoted, I'm going to be a doer of the word that you spoke tonight. Could you come up here tonight? We're going to pray for some people. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 